You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Royals podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're here with Javier Reyes of Locked On Padres. I'm Rylan Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Follow Javi at Javapeno on Twitter. And follow our shows, Locked On Royals, Locked On Padres, on YouTube, podcast platforms, anything that you can find a podcast, you can find us there. Talking to you, Javi. How are you doing today as baseball's back? I'm doing pretty great. Um, I think it was a pretty entertaining weekend in a lot of ways, which we will be discussing on this year's show. And I think that before we started recording, you used the phrase je ne sais quoi to describe something we were talking about. And it just reinvigorated my soul. The, the language is a beautiful thing. And I'm excited that we have so many just every day, just being surprised by a new word or a new phrase or a phrase we forgot about in this case. And I'm always happy to be doing crossovers with you, which we've been doing for almost like two months now. I feel like like once a week. And we always talk about some good baseball topics because you and I, we know the, the cycle. We know how the cycle works. We know how narratives work. So we're always on top of them. And especially you because you have the, the great radio voice to go along with it. So, you know, always ready. I'm a linguist. What can I say? You know, it's funny you say that. A lot of people, many people have told me, but they have a great voice. And I, when I hear myself back, I don't hear it. I don't, I don't hear it. Uh, but I appreciate that, Avi. Um, we're going to talk today's show leading off with uh, the biggest story that, you know, with baseball being back. And by the way, but Division Three has been playing for a month. Division Two has been playing for three months. Yeah, I know. I do some play. I play for Division Two baseball. When, we, when people say baseball's back, they mean it won't be, folks. Quit, quit crying about college. No one cares. Again, I do Division Two play. play. Nobody cares. We're talking about MLB being back, and um, and with that has been the pitch clock. I do like college baseball. I'm gonna put that out there. But the pitch clock, Javi. People are freaking out a bit. Like people are really freaking out. What so for the listeners? What's what's the pitch clock, and what's your thoughts on it? So can you explain the pitch clock process this year and your thoughts on it? Look, from what I understand, and even I'm still getting used to the whole thing. But basically, it's 20 seconds. You got to get in the box as the batter. You have to set yourself. And same thing with the pitcher. The pitcher has to begin, you know, throwing, beginning to throw the ball. You know how like we have box and whatnot, and it's like if you reach a certain point, you have to reach that certain point, and then it's a pitch, and then the clock resets after the bat. And this has been done in an effort to speed up the game, speed up the pace of play. Um, I will say for the record, before we get deeper into this, I was never someone who really had a problem with the length of baseball games, but that's just a me thing. My thing has always been the length of the season has been more of a crutch on my baseball fandom sometimes. Why should I care about this rivalry game when they're going to play five more times? Stuff like that. But now we have the pitch clock to talk about. And this is only one rule. We're probably going to talk about many other rules as the, as the time goes along with the shift being banned, with the bigger bases. You know, is there going to be uh, more stolen bases this year? Is this going to be more offense? All that stuff. But with the pitch clock, the discourse is just, oh, it was a volcano. And I was telling everyone it was going to erupt. You were telling everyone it was going to erupt. And people still weren't prepared for it. It looks like Pompeii out there. People are just like freaking out saying, oh my God, this is the most awkward thing. The giant clock gives me anxiety. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm not, this isn't even hyperbole, really. Everywhere on Twitter, 
every every media member, everyone's talking about the pitch clock. They probably talked about it on the Round the Horn PTI today. They're probably talking about sports center as we speak. And you have older athletes coming out and complaining about it and saying, what is going on? You know, we, we, you should you should uh, only put this in the minors. And then when those guys finally graduate to the majors, then there you go. You implement it. All sorts of takes. And my opinion has been, man, that was day one. Guys, it's been two days. Now, technically three by the time you're listening to this of the pitch clock. And still people are overreacting and saying, well, what if this happened? In the World Series Game 7, immediately immediately jumping to worst-case scenario that a game which happened on Saturday got ended by a call because – or I should say a pitch clock violation basically is how the game ended. Rylan, I just – I don't get why baseball fans continually do this. They want to be on the homepage of freezing cold takes. They just they, – they crave it. They crave it. They need it in every part, every orifice of their body. They just need all of the... Yeah, that was a weird phrase. Uh, they just need... <laughs> they just need to freak out about everything. We literally know someone who hates the World Baseball Classic. We know someone who hates the Universal DH. We know someone who hates uh, when pitchers don't hit, whatever. And my takeaway is, got to give it a little bit more time. Um, th- these things are going to be awkward. And, and by every account in the minor leagues, every announcer, every a bunch of players have said, yeah, it takes a bunch of time getting used to it at the beginning because this has been one of the most stagnant sports in America, uh, in the world, dare I say, for the longest period of time. So obviously people are going to be thrown off by it. I'm thrown off by it. Seeing that little pitch clock thing and being like, it makes me a little anxious. I'm like, oh, what's going on here? Give it a few minutes. I think that in the end, this is what's best for the sport. So, look, the the clock was huge in, the, in, in a couple of these games I was watching. That's not the plan at Major League Stadiums. It's not even going to be within view of your television. Just like the play clock isn't in football. It's not in the view of your television. Now, they, they're going to keep track of it on the score bugs. I'm, I'm positive about that. But I think that had they been playing these games in Major League Stadiums, we wouldn't even recognize the pitch clock necessarily. Uh, because having gone to minor league games with the pitch clock in effect, you, you, you just forget about it. You just, it's just, it's just not a thing that you even look at um, after the first two anomaly pitches. And you're like, Whoa, they're actually counting down. Um, I, I think that this should be a rule and it's hard to have an opinion on it right now because any opinion you have right now is overreacting to like the first couple of days. If this levels out to where it's like the NFL play clock, where We've all been watching games and a clock's at zero and, and it goes to zero and it's like, okay, it's at zero, it's at zero, and they don't throw the flag and the play just goes on. So they're not they're not enforcing the, the delay of game unless it's egregious. If it gets to that point where like the pitch clock winds down, it's at zero, but the pitchers, you know, he's 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 gonna pitch. Everyone's on track to do what they want to do. You know, everything's fine, and then they don't afford enforce it, that's fine. Like if it levels out to where it's only there to make sure nothing egregious happens then okay, so be it. Um, and, and I think that, too, we we do not give the players enough credit. A lot of the guys that were getting those infractions um, hadn't been in the minor leagues um, recently with a pitch clock. Like, they, if this is their first time doing it. And and even if they had been, you're going to you're gonna test the boundary. Like you're going to test your limits. That's, that's why you have spring training. These games do not count. These games do not matter. You're going to see what can I get away with. 
how strongly enforced is this rule going to be? It's like in basketball, whenever, uh, whenever they implemented the new rule this year, when it, where you, where you can no longer bait a guy into a foul and like, you know, pump fake and hook their arm and, and, and get called for a foul. Like James Harden did in the preseason, they called it nonstop. And we're like, wow, this is going to save basketball. And then as the season goes on, they, they, they don't really, I mean, they still bait people into fouls all the time. And I mean, look at SGA, for example, uh, as a guy who, who's able to get the pump fake and, and get found. So, I think that the the officials, you know, the the umpires are going to enforce it really, really strictly right now. But once we get to where the games count, uh, it will be more so the intent of what the pitcher and batter are doing more so than the actual clock and where it's sitting at. Just like the the football delay of game. Like how many times have you watched the game? You've been, you've been a fan of the defend of the defending team and you're clapping your hands like, Oh my gosh, it's at zero. Someone throw the flag, someone throw the flag and the play just happens and, and you move on. I think that that's more so what's going to happen um, than anything else. And, and again, we're not going to see the physical clock on television um, yeah. at Major League Parks to where that's going to take away because it is it is anxiety inducing, especially what what was that first game that was televised on Thursday? It was huge. I mean, it was it was yeah, massive yeah. In, in the background to where it's not only is it jarring, it's just like a brand new brand new um, feature of, of a of a sport that you've watched forever without a clock. But now it's like right in your face, right counting it down, and, and you're almost distracted and watching that when you're watching the action that's happening um, right, right in front of you. And so I, I think that uh, this will ultimately settle down. However, if it doesn't settle down and we do get to that worst case scenario, it's the dumbest rule of all time. So we just have to wait and see. Like, it's just like, it's just like the, the rules about the bases and, and the shift. If it saves the offense and if the offense has a huge explosion of not not hitting home runs, but actually having the ball in play more, more action pitches, more base stealing, more more station to station baseball to where it's more exciting game that you know pitch to pitch. And it's no longer a a strikeout or home run game. Then yes, those rule changes were awesome. But if it doesn't lead to that, then they were kind of unnecessary. The pitch clock is one where if it speeds the game up, that's fine. Uh, you know, and, and it doesn't harm the outcome of games, that's fine. But if it starts harming the outcome of games, as it did in that spring training game, which I think doesn't matter, but if that happens in a real game, uh, then it becomes the worst rule of all time. Because I've got news for you. No one is going to sit there and watch a baseball game now because there's a pitch clock. No one's going to sit there and, and 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 tune into MLB Network or, or tune into, uh, you know, Yes Network during a Yankees game uh, that, that otherwise wouldn't because, oh, well, it's a pitch clock now. So now the game only lasts two hours because, folks, football games last four hours, five hours at a time. And you still watch every single second, every single snap of it. It's not the length of the game. It, it's it's the quality of the game where it's, again, the no action that happens. I mean, it's not that we're sitting around and watching a game for three hours. Every sport lasts three hours. It's that within those three hours, only five of those minutes have any sort of action to the casual fan that doesn't know the details. Now, you and me, Javi, and all of our listeners who are taking the time to listen to a baseball podcast in the middle of spring training, they know the intricacies of tunneling and pitching and using a, using a pitch to set up another pitch and shifting your defense, even in the slightest minute way. And uh, you know, all, all the different things and factors that go into playing baseball pitch to pitch, but a casual observer who are, who is what you're trying to grab with this rule does not understand that. All they understand is did the ball get put in play or not? That's all they understand. And so if the pitch clock works to where it doesn't hinder the game, that's fine. But if it does hinder the game, then you've ruined the game for, for, you know, passionate fans while, ha- while also not gaining any casual fans. To where, what was the point of all this? That's kind of where I land on the pitch clock. Yeah, I mean, and even more so, we've seen also that, I mean, that's a great point, though. I'm curious to see how they uh, enforce it in the regular season. That's a great point. Like, it's 
we see in other sports that sometimes they implement these new rules that they slowly phase out. And sometimes for the better, I think it's good that they kind of got rid of a little bit. You saw they stopped doing the taunting penalty, which has a lot of weird connotations to it in football. Um, and then in baseball, I think we've seen, though, I mean, what was their one game that had like 15 pitchers used and it was still under three hours? I really think that this could help the game. And I think that a lot of people, especially for a younger generation, it's really going to help. And they're not marketing to older folk. They're not even arguing to someone like me. Like, I don't mind the length of the game. I really genuinely don't. I like that it keeps me company as I do something else. That sounds bad, but I, I really view that baseball is like a hangout. It's in the background sport. Unless it's like a game that you're like really in on or there's a player or whatnot, right? But uh, I, I'm excited. I think that overall it's going to be um, really beneficial to the game. And I think that they're going to be, it's going to catch on. People are going to say, whoa, I actually don't have to wait, you know, 45 seconds for the next damn pitch in a game in August. That's when I think the benefit of the pitch clock will really dawn on people is when we get to those dog days of, all right, we're, it's the Padres versus the you know the rockies or the padres versus the pirates right like these it's not really that competitive of a game one team's bad the other team's good the end right or with the royals it's royals versus yankees or whatever right like one team's bad one team's good the end so i think that's when uh i'm gonna be really excited for it especially later on in the season but we'll see how it all plays out yeah, and I'm all for speeding up the game. I do not want my, my my opinion to be shaped in a different way. I, I I think that the game should be sped up. It deserves to be sped up, and it was it was dragging on, especially whenever there's no action. It's just like you're waiting on the first home run of the game and the second home run of the game, and then in between there's 50 million strikeouts, and who cares? Uh, but I just hope that it doesn't have the worst case scenario possible. And if you avoid that worst case scenario where it, where it defines a game, then this is a great this is a great rule. And I think that it will avoid that scenario. I think that this will end up being a great rule. I think that I think that it will be a rule um, that that has no bad outcomes. It's just that the fear is there to where people are kind of afraid of, of what the worst possible scenario is. Uh, I'm interested to see in the, in, in the stolen base category, both with the big bases and with the pitch clock, how that impacts things. And we'll talk about that coming up. But first, let's say right now, my good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a fantastic protein bar. It tastes like a candy bar. You can go to builtbar.com right now, and you can. Put in code LOCK15, get 15% off your next order. You can also go to Walmart and Sam's Club to the pharmacy section and buy Built Bars there as well. Built Bar is 100% chocolate on the outside, okay? They are great, great options, 100% on the chocolate on the outside. It is chock full of protein. It only has 130 calories, and they have so many great, unique flavors like Mr. Time Only flavors such as Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs, Lemon dip cheesecake, maple donut, but also their tried and true staples like cookies and cream, like coconut, salted caramel, peanut butter brownie, mm. raspberry, cherry barcia, mint brownie. Mm. So many great ones. My personal favorite is the cookies and cream built bar. As a matter of fact, Javi, I have oh. one right here. Oh, oh doctor. He's it's got it. True. It's true that I have one right here. And this bad boy is 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, only four grams of sugar. Check it out today. Built.com. Promo code like 15, 15% off your next order. We're back on the Lockdown Royals and Padres crossover podcast. I'm here with my built bar. Javi's here with, uh, well, we won't talk about what he's here with, but he knows what he's here with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we will continue diving into the new rules. So, Javi, we're also going to talk about other things besides the rule changes. We're going to talk about the World Baseball Classic and, and 
if you remember back in the World Baseball Classic of 2016, whenever Adam Jones made the catch heard around the world and, and he became this kind of bigger player than than he was before the catch, like it kind of changed his his perception, which was great, and he deserved it because he was a great player. Um, we're looking for that kind of player and trying to predict that kind of player, both for the individual teams we cover, Royals and Padres, and also it'll be at large uh, in this World Baseball Classic. And we're also going to talk about if it should matter to you if your player is in spring training or in the World Baseball Classic here as they leave and depart in a couple of days for the World Baseball Classic. Uh, but right now, I want to talk more about the role changes real quick. You mentioned the stolen bases and about the bases being bigger and that can lead to stolen bases. Do you buy into the pitch clock helping slash hurting stolen bases? Do you buy into that at all? That part I'm not totally sure about because what I have seen in the minor leagues is that the the altering of pickoff moves and what you were allowed to do exactly, that's what raised the amount of bases stolen. It raised it by like 20%, something like a significant amount to the point where regular, you know, not necessarily speedsters, but not necessarily, you know, tortoises were able to steal some extra bags, which I personally think is kind of fun. I think the stolen bases just electrifying every time the thrill of whether or not they're going to get there or not. You know, I, I love it personally. And I think that it's a, a little bit sad. I understand why guys don't steal bases as much anymore with the increased risk of injury potentially, or with the fact that, you know, it's just, you know, people are just want you to stay on base more. And, and because people hit home runs, you get extra runs that way and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Let's talk about this forever. Um, so I don't know if that's going to exactly lead to more stolen bases. I think it might be if you alter the, the, the pickoff moves, because I think that's what run stealers are most afraid of is, some Andy Pettit type of nonsense where it's like, I swear you looked like you were throwing the ball and then all of a sudden I'm out. Um, but with the pitch clock. Yeah. I mean, I imagine that will at least hope help a little bit knowing that you have to get set to throw the ball. Um, and maybe guys are going to be so worried about making sure that they have to throw the ball that they'll even forget to even attempt their pickoff move, which I think is totally fine. And then in terms of just the, the shift, I know we're going to, we got to talk about that in a second, but, uh, I don't know, man. I think that in general, it's really exciting to see so many different rules, even if some of them don't work. You know, even if some of them we don't end up liking. I kind of like that MLB for the first time in a long time is just throwing a bunch of things at the wall, right? Like they're just throwing them and saying, all right, we'll see. We'll see what happens with the bigger bases. Maybe we implement pickoff attempts. We're getting rid of the shift. We're um, we're doing the pitch clock. We are finally a rule that I think should have universal, like if you, even the people who hate the world baseball classic, even Paul Francis Sullivan, the old, old man over at left.mlb, even, even he should like this one, which is the, every team gets to play every team once. That's just cool. It is very fundamentally weird that if you're a Yankees fan, say you're locked into your, your division that you've never seen Fernando Tatis Jr. play. Or Juan Soto play probably, right? Like, that's just weird. Like, it's just weird that there's like, I don't know who those guys are. I think that that's going to be a, a nice addition as well. What do you think, sir? I think that these rules, and I've said before with our, with our crossovers, these rules can save baseball. They really can. If baseball becomes a sport this year, that it's quicker, higher tempo in terms of not like the length of games. I think that we get, I think that we have the whole pace of play conversation completely wrong. It's not about how long you're watching a game. It's about how long it takes from one specific play to another. For the casual fan, again, that doesn't understand the details and, and the nuances and the chess match of baseball. But from like a casual fan that just sees, okay, a play in baseball means either the ball went over the fence or the ball got caught or the ball was you know station to station hitting, whatever the case is. They don't understand the, kind of the chess match of it. For those kind of fans, 
which are great fans and like fans that, that baseball should want to have. But those kind of fans, I think that this could change baseball of like, we are going to get quicker, not only to the end of the game, but quicker to the next action, quicker to the next tangible action where it's not just like an old catcher, backup catcher on the, on the broadcast teaching you uh, what little, what little tiny detail that they did in the curveball in the dirt. Like it's an actual play that everyone can understand. I think they're going to get to those plays quicker and more often to where that can really show people how great baseball is and how awesome baseball is and how fun baseball is. And it can also make it more exciting for people who love baseball and, and know all the little intricacies and, and everything. Cause I think that we can all admit, and this is not me being biased. It's just me giving you an example. I think if you pulled people who cover baseball, who watch baseball, who have never missed a baseball game in 5,000 years, they would say that the 2014, 15 Royals were their favorite teams to watch as, a, as if you, if you took away their fandom and said you can't pick a team that you that you follow or that you cover or that you love or that you have a fan connection to. Who do you just like watching play baseball? They would say those Royals who did things where they hit some home runs, sure, but it was gap shots, it was stealing bases. I mean, Billy Butler got a key stolen base uh, in, a, in a playoff series in a playoff game. Uh, so, like, it was doing all those all those different things that allowed you to see all facets of baseball, not just home run or bust or strikeout or bust. You know. So I, I think that that will be huge as well uh, for, for the sport and help growing it. So I think that these sports, I mean, these rules will be excellent. I mean, absolutely excellent. But I do understand the concerns with the pitch clock. And, and as I said in the first segment, if it as long as it does not impact the, the outcome of the game and just kind of making sure everyone stays uh, stays true or stays with the right intent of, of not messing around and not taking too long or unnecessarily stepping out or whatever, then that's perfectly fine. And, and, and that is going to be great for the sport. I agree, man. I agree. And I think that uh, there's just a lot of good momentum around the season this year. I, I, I really think so. I think that there's with the rule changes and with the World Baseball Classic um, and with the Padres being awesome. So awesome, in fact, that everyone's wondering how where they're getting money from. The answer is that these guys are billionaires. But for those people wondering, there's other reasons for why the Padres are spending money. But it's that first reason. The, I recommend people just, you know, Google net worth. You know what I mean? Like, just... Look up things. Trust me, they're going to be okay, guys. <laughs> Peter Seiler is going to be okay. I, I promise you, he'll be okay. He will be. There's no such thing as a small market team in baseball. They all are owned by billionaires. It's just small market mindsets in baseball uh, that limit teams. Javi, who is on your team that you're excited to watch play in the World Baseball Classic? We're going to have that coming up, but right now, I want you to tell me. Just your quick thoughts on fans and if they should worry about, oh no, you know, my star player on my favorite team is leaving to go uh, away for the, away from the team for the World Baseball Classic here in a couple of days. I can't for sure sway those concerns. Unlike the pitch clock, this I understand. I mean, it's not like these guys are necessarily going to be, you know, playing for something that is. Uh, as revered as a World Series title. I mean, this is what you aim for. I'm not saying that this is a Pro Bowl level of inconsequential. It clearly isn't, and the World Baseball Classic is fun, and the more that they try and make it a thing, the more exciting it will be, and on par with maybe like the Olympics in, in basketball, where guys genuinely want to play and win for their team. But I can understand saying, man, it just feels like we're being punished a little bit. They can't get the spring training time. But, hey, as we saw today, and I'm not trying to be like a, a jerk about it, but Gavin Lux uh, looks like he 
he pops something, looks like he got seriously hurt, non-contact injury. It might be the worst case scenario with him. And that was in the spring training game. So the way I have always viewed these things as well is also just guys can get hurt all the time uh, in anything. It's just what might happen. Right. And I don't think that necessarily now there's a difference between say, adding unnecessary risk off the field, like the goober who is my bobblehead uh, infamously got in trouble for and paid for. Um, but I think that for the most part, I think you could also equally look at it as, hey, they're getting some good high leverage experience. It's not just spring training bats, but it's also like, oh, we're getting some like really intense, like like playoff type of atmosphere type of reps, which might be good for some players, especially on winning teams. Again, that's just being very... Um, diplomatic and very uh liberal and just best case scenario about it but i do understand um people being like this is it's freaking me out i mean if you're a padres fan you look at this and you say it's manny machado nelson cruz juan soto luis garcia you darvish hasan kim seth lugo xander bogarts then nabil krismat julio Tehran. like a lot of the players i just mentioned are key superstar players i'm not saying other teams don't have that but especially for a contender you gotta wonder like yeah, it feels like our risk is that is outweighs the risk of some other teams that maybe won't be competitive for the most part of the season. Maybe like the Royals, where they're not totally there yet; they're rebuilding. So it's kind of like an extra fun bonus to just see these guys play on on, on the biggest stage. Look, I, I think that you're totally right. I think that it, it comes down to like a. I can't. I can't subside your worries or my worries about this about these things. I will say you can get hurt in spring training, obviously. And I will say for the Royals specifically, you look at Brady Singer and you're worried about like, oh man, instead of getting these kind of light or just work on a few pitches and take it easy and run the track spring training outings, Brady Singer is going to play very intense baseball. And Brady Singer is a very intense guy to where he's going to go full throttle. Like he's going to try to impress. And, and the bigger the stage gets, the better he gets. And it was like that in college, like that his whole career. He's like that. In the Royals, like his numbers against the bigger market, better teams are, are much better than his numbers against the terrible teams. Like he he just has that it factor of like guys who want to turn it on. And while I can't subside your worry, and like I don't know if he's gonna get hurt or not, I don't know if he would have gotten hurt if he played for the Royal Spring Training and Surprise or for the World Baseball Classic or whatever. I will say that all I can tell you to do, and all I'm gonna tell myself to do as someone who is worrying as well, just trust him. Trust that he has put in the work to ramp himself up earlier than he would have to be on track to where. He starts for Team USA, game two. He'll have worked his body up to the point where he can handle it. And he's done everything he can to possibly be stay healthy as he possibly can. And sometimes bad luck happens, and he might have some bad luck. But it'll be just that. It'll be bad luck, and it will not be because he missed spring training. It will not be because he was away from the team. It'll be because he was going to get hurt anyway. And, and he's done what he needed to do to try to ensure that he'll be all right. And I think that he has. I think he's taken it very seriously. I think that all these players take it very seriously. I think that they know and they understand their bodies better than anyone could ever imagine because they're world-class athletes. And he knew when to start kind of ramping up ahead of time, and he's done that, and so has every other player. And if guys get hurt, like you said, they could get hurt in surprise as well. They've, there have been players who have been hurt in surprise at spring training. Just as though there's sadly going to be a player that gets hurt in the World Baseball Classic. I mean, it's just going to be inevitable. Um, I hope it doesn't happen, but inevitably somebody will. And I don't think that that's an indictment on the World Baseball Classic because I think that the risk-reward is so much greater. Let me, let me paint the picture for you here as a Royals fan you know, because that's what we're going to talk about for a second. Brady Singer goes out there. Game two of the World Baseball Classic for Team USA, and he shoves. Goes out there and play, plays excellent all spring long for Team USA. 
a stage in which he is going to thrive on, a stage in which he wants to be on. He wants to be a winner. He's a very competitive person. He's a very competitive guy. Uh, he's always wanted to win games his whole career. And, and even going back to college, you see him cussing and screaming off the mound at Florida in the, in the pouring rain. Like, it was awesome. Um, that can catapult him to where his next big opportunity will be opening day at the K in the powder blue jerseys, the best crowd they're going to get all year, and he'll go and light it up on opening day. Then from there, that then elevates your season and just kind of starts you off on such a high note that that momentum can carry you the full way. And we've always heard that about baseball players, how the mindset matters, how the momentum matters, how all these little details matter to where that that is so far greater of a reward than the possible risk that he gets hurt. Because, again, he had that hurt risk at Surprise Arizona. No matter what, you know, no matter what, at any point he pitches, he might get hurt. But the reward of the fact that he can catapult his season is much, much higher. Well said. Well said. What can I say? What can I say that Rylan Styles has not already said already? You're just going to. We're back on the Lockdown Royals Padres crossover podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to the crossover. (laughs) What I think right now, thank you so much for making us your first listen. For your second listen, check out the Lockdown Fantasy Baseball podcast. Well, you can win your league if you listen to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Lockdown Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcast from and on YouTube. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team. Every day, just like we are. Javi, want to end the show? End the show with who you think will steal the stage for your team, but also for the entire World Baseball Classic. I'll go first real quick. For the Royals, I think it's obvious. I think that the only guy who has the chance to absolutely steal the show is Brady Singer. Now, I think that Vinny Pascantino will light the world on fire, but I'm not sure how good Team Italy will be. So, like, he might not he might not reach the stage that everybody starts watching. So, with, with Brady Singer, he's going to be on a team that everyone in America is going to watch, every baseball fan in America is going to watch, and he's going to be in big spots, high-leverage spots, and important games for Team USA to where I think that if he performs well, then he can seal the hearts of America, uh, and, and he can really, really uh, turn his kind of – not, not turn around, but like, uh, but, like, emerge on the scene as a public icon. Uh, what about for you, Javi? For me, I don't think it's necessarily any – look – Machado at Soto, they're going to be doing their thing. I imagine one of them's going to hit an absolute nuke bomb. But I think the Netherlands team with Xander Bogarts, I think that I don't know if that team's going to be particularly amazing or anything. I think that maybe, you know, teams Venezuela might be a little bit more of a sleeper in terms of winning the tournament. But Xander Bogarts is going to be the guy that stands out the most on that team which for me makes it that it might be the most memorable because he might be the guy that shows up on the highlights most often because he might be like the main dude um, on that team, or at least one of the main dudes. Um, And then Seth Lugo of the Padres, he is going to be pitching on team Puerto Rico, which therefore means he is going to be excellent. Of course, as team Puerto Rico will be winning the world baseball classic in 2023. I think he's going to be really great there. And I think it's going to be fun to kind of see him, um, and depending on what role they use him in, I imagine that they're going to use him as a reliever, but we'll see considering that he's expected to at least be one of uh, potential starters for the Padres this season, that maybe he goes out there and shoves. And I think that'd be a lot of fun. And then Hassan Kim for team Korea, that one might be a lot of fun. I think he might get some good defensive stuff. Uh, 
from Hassan Kim. So really fun defensive stuff. I think Tim Curry is just fun in general. So I think that having him on the team, just that amazing smile, the flip of the hair as he runs into second base, just the good all-around vibes. I think you're going to see some like web gem from Hassan Kim in the World Baseball Classic. Do you have an opinion on just any MLB player across the landscape of MLB of like who will who will transcend themselves in this in this World Baseball Classic? I feel like it'll be someone random. That's always how I feel like these things go down. Honestly, I feel like a Vidi Pasquantito is a great example. Upcoming player, not too many people outside of you know your your baseball fans really are familiar with him. I could baseball see sickos. Like some, yeah, the baseball sickos. That's right. <laughs> that's, yeah. Oh, sickos. Um, <laughs> you know that like meme where it's like ah uh, yes yes on the window. Yeah, whatever. yeah. It's, it's sickos. Um, I think that. Um, Vinny Pasquantino, Vinny P, I think that this could be the first introduction of him. And I don't think that Team Italy is going to be necessarily a main contender in this thing. So I think they might have like that game. Maybe they get beat up by a team, but maybe he starts off. He hits a solo shot and then he hits a double and steals third. And people are, Vinny, who's this guy? Oh, you better. All the announcers come in saying, hey, this is a prospect. Who said the Royals don't have any good young players? You know, all those type of things are like, hey. They build it something special over there in Kansas City. They got Bobby Witt. They got him Jimbalet. I can see the commentary so much around a guy like that. Um, I just don't. I just think that the expectations are so high for Team Dominican Republic, for Team USA, for certain Team Japan. I mean, that's the easy answer is Otani. Obviously, that's the easy answer because it might sounds horrible. It might be the only like important game he pitches in this year. There's a, there's a good chance. That we don't see Otani pitching a meaningful game after like a month of this season. There's a good chance. There's a good chance of that happening. So uh, that's my pick. What about you? Yeah, I, I think that you're right. The easy answer is absolutely Otani. Duh. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that going beyond that, yeah, trying to oh, find yeah, the random yeah. guys. MJ Melendez, I think, another Royal. I, I hate to be a homer, but like, I think he's another guy that's like a game where like if you put him on a big stage, he's comfortable. And so if he gets opportunities, I'm not sure how much opportunity he's going to get, but if he gets opportunities, then uh, he can really, really thrive. So Javi, thank you for joining us. We're going to do this again next week. And and pretty soon we'll be recapping these World Baseball Classic games. So stay tuned for that because Javi is all over this World Baseball Classic. Go ahead, Javi. One last thing, a general player, Javier Baez for Team Puerto Rico. I'm being Homer again, but... You're just doing the name thing. I smell... I smell a this guy goes out of his mind in the World Baseball Classic. Everyone freaks out. You draft him a little higher in your fantasy drafts, and then he's back to what we're used to. I just I smell it. It's either him or Jose Barrios, one of those two guys that had really atrocious seasons are going to come in and be great in the World Baseball Classic and probably not be that great in the regular season. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in fairness. I'm always right about these things. So uh, you heard it here first. All right, Javi, thanks for joining us. Go check out Lockdown Padres. Check out Lockdown Royals. And until tomorrow, we're going to be here for you. Be good. Be good to one another.